Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast and it is presented by league apps and just like every week i am super excited about this week's show so diverse covering so many layers of soccer because as the ceo of united soccer coaches jeff van dusen often says United Soccer Coaches is the home for all coaches. And to be fair, when Jeff Van Dusen says that, he means all people who not only are coaches, but those that work with coaches and make coaches better. Today's show is a great example of that. We kick off the show with U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer Eddie Pope, who won three MLS Cups with D.C. United, played in three World Cups for the USA, played for the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, worked with the MLS Players Association, worked with Octagon as an agent, but now is going home to High Point, North Carolina, where he will play a big role with Carolina Core FC of MLS Next Pro as they debut in 2024. Such a kind, humble man, Eddie Pope, kicks off the show. Speaking of kicking off, the USL's W League and USL League 2 kick off this weekend, and the man who spearheads those two leagues for USL, Joel Nash, is up second on this week's show. Really enjoyed my time with Joel, and thank Lisa Payton of the USL for making it happen. From there, we catch up real quick with Ashu Saxena, who chairs the United Soccer Coaches API Coaches Community and is the author of The Well-Rounded Soccer Coach. May is API Heritage Month, and Ashu has great guests lined up for us all this month. It's also Mental Health Month, and he will work in that topic as well in May. After Ashu, we talk high school soccer with Greg Winkler, who is also an author, by the way, and who has done so much with high school soccer, sharing his expertise with the United Soccer Coaches, and we end meeting another special 30 Under 30 superstar by way of Brazil, and now working with Kathy Braun, another United Soccer Coaches favorite at Smith, you will enjoy meeting Manu Costa. She will give you the real Brazilian flair on her name. You'll like it. And that's our show, and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Lee Gaps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. 
Kicking off this week's show with truly a legend of the game for U.S. soccer. He is a Hall of Famer. He has won multiple MLS Cups. I believe it is three. We'll confirm that in a moment. He played in three World Cups, including starring for that 2002 World Cup that came oh so close to making the semifinals. To be fair, I believe they got robbed. He was a superstar at North Carolina UNC. He's from High Point, and now he's back in High Point, taking on a big-time leadership role with Carolina Core FC that'll be part of MLS Next Pro. And let me tell you, folks, I could go another 20 minutes talking about Eddie Pope, but I'd rather get right to him. Eddie Pope, thanks for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. Did I miss anything there? Three MLS Cups, right? All with DC United, correct? Yes, sir. That's correct. Three World Cups, right, Eddie? Yep. And then 2011, I think, was the year you went into the Hall of Fame. Do I have that right? Yes. That's all, all correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, when you think about all those honors, including being an All-American star at North Carolina Chapel Hill, where, as I mentioned, my son's going to graduate next week. I mean, can you rank them, Eddie, or do they all just mesh into this kind of beautiful, beautiful story? I mean, they're hard to rank. You know, I look at it as as a journey, a, a long journey, it seems, on the playing side. I certainly feel blessed and, and fortunate to be able to, to play the sport that I love. It was a quote-unquote, you know, job. But um, no, I'm just super blessed to have been a part of the game, part of the sport, and I'm just trying to uh, to continue that that journey um, just off the field now. I love the fact that you've gone home. I'm a big believer in that. Home is where the heart is. You grew up in High Point before going to North Carolina, and now you find yourself back in High Point, taking on a big leadership role with Carolina Core FC. Tell us about how that came to be and maybe who's involved with it. And have you already started playing MLS Next Pro games? Or when does all that happen, Eddie? So the season kicks off in 2024. So that that will be our our um, inaugural season, and um and I'd say you know in in the Carolina Core really in North Carolina in general I mean you know soccer has been around a very long time as evidenced by you know Anson Dorrance and and everything that he's contributed to the sport it's it's absolutely amazing it's been around a long time and I grew up playing soccer there as did many for me it was almost like wow you know professional soccer. In High Point, North Carolina, it feels like lightning striking, although it really isn't, because like I said, it's been around a little while. Um, for me, it was like, I said, this is such an opportunity. There's no chance I can turn this down. Um, and to really be a part of something special, the area deserves it. We've been waiting so long for it, just for kids to be able to now go to a game, sit in the stadium, look on the field, and dream to be in that position at some point, and then carry on to MLS to me is something super special. Our ownership group is amazing. It was just, again, an opportunity that was too hard to pass up. And I feel like your post-playing career led you to this because you spent time for MLS, then you went to Octagon, and now you find yourself here. So you did all of the right things after you finished playing to be prepared for this job. Is that fair to say, Eddie? And again, I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, that's fair. I mean, I was at with the MLS Players Association as the uh, director of player relations. And really my role there was to connect, you know, our executive director to the player pool. You know, we were having some issues with that and and just really creating a, a bridge uh, for, for players to understand the importance of having a players union or players association um, in, in such a young league. When I got there, the league was continuing to grow and it was really about to hit that point 
sort of that point of no return, I, I would call it. And you see where we are now. And, you know, my goal was to make sure that the players grew alongside of the league. Um, so at the time with, you know, probably 600 players under my quote unquote responsibility, along with the MLS Players Association staff, um, I really got to uh, kind of put my thumbprint on making sure that the rights for the players were taken care of, making sure that the players understood that, yes, it's fun, it's all great, but it is a job, it is your business, you have to take care of yourselves. And then to help them become young professionals as the league grew, like I said earlier. So having done that, and then I went to Octagon as an agent, for me, it was just great to be able to remain in the sport. And I didn't have to kind of jump into insurance sales or something like that. You know, I was able, again, to be really fortunate to, to remain a part of the game. And it's just been amazing to watch it grow. The league has done an amazing job in really sort of taking care of the sport, taking care of the game and making sure that it grew in the right ways. This MLS Next Pro League is nothing short of that. You're rolling along. You did that work with the players. You're rolling at Octagon. I've already said you're at high point. What was it about this opportunity? And I don't think you totally answered the question, what your role is at Carolina FC, what your title is. What was it that said, yeah, now is the time I'm going home. And did you bring a family home? Do you have kids and in, in, in a family as well, Eddie? Yeah, so I, I am the chief sporting officer for the club. And um, I do have a family, so my, my actually my uh, my daughter has one more year of high school, so she wouldn't let us leave yet. Um, <laughs> and I didn't want to yank her out of, of you know the last year of high school, um, but she will eventually end up at Virginia Tech. I'm living in the Northern Virginia area now, so you know we're all coming home again. For me, it, it was really looking at the project. I'm not only in High Point, but for MLS. Um, and the league as a whole, what was MLS Next Pro going to be like? How are they going to build it? Um, did it make sense? Um, is the timing right? And for me, you know, all of those were were easy boxes to check. And uh, so to have all of that and to have, you know, what High Point is really trying to do with their Catalyst project and um, continuing to move the city forward, everything is just, it seemed like it all came to this perfect sort of culmination of, of progress. And so for me, that was, was super tempting. I love what we've done so far. I'm just super excited and can't wait to get started in 24. We're kicking off the show with the great Eddie Pope, who is truly one of the legends of the game. And I say that in a non-sycophantic way, Eddie, because you should know this, but if you don't, I'm going to tell you anyway. You are so respected, not only because you were a great soccer player, but simply by the way you've always carried yourself you know, and I'm going to joke with you, short of that red card in that one World Cup. Just kidding, Eddie. That was not a red. <laughs> uh, thanks for laughing. I'm glad we could have a little bit of fun. But you've always carried yourself in such a professional demeanor. You've always had time for everybody. You know, Nicole Hercules, who leads the Black soccer coaches, speaks the world of you. And she's just one of thousands. What was it about your background? Was it your parents? I mean, Again, Eddie, and I know people don't like talking about themselves, but you just always have carried yourself in such a first-class way, sir. No, th thank you. I, I really appreciate the kind words. Um, you know, and I think you know, part of that is where you grow up and the people you grew up with, the people you grew up around, the city you grow up in. Of course, your parents are a part of your development and, and who you become as a person. And so for me, I think those were all the things that, that shaped me. And those are the things that made it easy for me to come back home and, and be a part of something special and new and to watch it grow. Uh, I, you know, one of the things that I'm super excited about is just watching High Point start to grow and expand. 
and then also the areas around it because we're Carolina core FC. So you, if you know the, the, the economic core all the way from West to East, we're a team that represents all of those individuals. And even watching those areas start to, to kind of blossom and grow and, and that those areas now have a professional soccer team to kind of throw on the top of the pile. So I think it'd be great. You don't have to go all the way to Charlotte FC, love Charlotte FC, everything that they're doing. You have a team right here in the core. And so I think that obviously I'm excited about it, but I know that uh, the individuals and the fans and and the, the, the kids who are watching and the kids that want to be a part of the professional program at some point um, is fantastic. And last thing I'll say is that, you know, we also have a youth side as well in the MLS Next uh, program that uh, for the first time, at least in our area, will help break down the barriers for youth soccer. You know, we're we're trying to again, reduce the barriers and we're trying to, I wouldn't say necessarily eliminate, but certainly put a dent in the pay to play soccer system so that the thousands of dollars that it costs to play youth soccer um, will, will sort of disappear for the best players. That's at a high, high level of soccer. And that team will feed into our MLS Next Pro team. So for the youth side, there's so many exciting things going on um, that, that this team is going to bring to the area that again, I mean, I can't wait for that to start as well. You know, adding on to that, when you go to CarolinaCoreFC.com, it says Carolina Core FC is an MLS Next Pro soccer team that represents the core of North Carolina for what it is, a stronger together community that loves soccer. You kind of just said it, Eddie, but when you hear me read it right off your website, what does that mean to you, sir? It's exactly what it said. I mean, the words that we've put on the website and you'll you'll see words around the city at some point in the stadium and thoughts and ideas and values. Uh, you know, the club has put a lot of time um, into making sure that that the things that we say is exactly what we mean. Again, it's it's really important. It's almost like a, you know, a payback to the area and that soccer's been around for so long. So many kids have played and grown up and they have children and now they're standing on the sidelines of the soccer fields. And um, and now they have a professional team that they can can call their own. And uh, so for me, that's what it means. It also means you can build help being a part of a community that's being built all throughout the core, uh, but providing that youth soccer um, element at the higher levels for free. D to be honest, right? It's there are kids who traditionally would have been good enough, but just can't afford to play, and they drop out of the sport, or they change to, to other sports, or they have to drop down to a different level. I mean, now that opportunity will be there for them. We're hearing the voice of the great Eddie Pope. He's coming home. He grew up in High Point, went to college at North Carolina, where, by the way, he also was a kicker for Mac Brown, who's back at North Carolina. And by, by the way, are you still connected with Mac Brown? Have, does he know that you're coming back to High Point? Have you touched base with him at all? No, I, I haven't. And I need to. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I do need to. So um, I, I haven't uh, had the opportunity to do that yet. How many years did you kick for him, Eddie? This is a much longer story, so we'll have to do that for the second part of the, the, the podcast. <laughs> but I actually ended up going there actually on a kicking scholarship. I ended up never kicking because I, I got a pretty bad injury and I redshirted my first year for football. Okay. But I got healthy enough um, or in time for soccer. So I got to play soccer the first year. That next year, uh, the Olympics came and I had you had to go into residency in order to try to make that team. Um, so once I did that, made the Olympic team, I kind of didn't turn back to football. I, I stuck with soccer. 
Okay, so and that was Almar Bolovich. Was that Almar the whole time, or was yeah, that, that was with Almar Bolovich. Yes, the whole time. Yeah, at UNC. Okay, cool. I still stay connected to Almar Bolovich. I think a great, great person, and sometimes a misunderstood person because I think he's got a a big heart. Would you agree with that? He's the best. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, absolutely the best. And um, I, I can tell you right now, one thousand percent. Without him, um, I certainly would not have made it as as far as I did. Um, he was just absolutely paramount to my my development as a player and as a person. Eddie Pope, Carolina Core FC, High Point, North Carolina. You're going to play at Truist Point Stadium. I think that's a baseball stadium, right? You're going to make it work for soccer. Is that how it's going to work? Yes, yeah, sir. That that's correct. We we will um we'll make the stadium work for soccer as well. There there are some renovations that need to happen. Um, but uh, in regards to kind of helping the field fit inside of the stadium. But there's some other amazing renovations that will go in the stadium also. It's just going to be a beautiful field, a beautiful setup uh, for both baseball and soccer in High Point. Finally, Eddie, as we run out of time here, just a couple more questions. When I called you, I told you, um, first of all, I've been the longtime voice of the association and I've been with U.S. Soccer since 1989. Pretty good time to enter the soccer world for U.S. Soccer as Paul Caligiuri was getting ready to make that goal. Anson was forming the team to play in 91. The 92 Olympic team really looked really good. And then the 94 World Cup was coming. And then MLS. So I was blessed to, to walk in kind of on the penthouse. And in fact, my first interview, as far as a story, it was for Desmond Armstrong, right? Strong yeah. black man. You know, one thing about you, Eddie, is... I don't think you ever, as you carried yourself, ever made it about white or black. But as you think about the growth of the black soccer coaches community, and as I told you that story yesterday, as we booked you about how I went to the black soccer coaches social and I saw Lincoln Phillips, who I was around with in the early 90s, and I saw Hugh Menzies and Lauren Donaldson, and then some of the newer people like the Captain Akul, Kadani McAlpine and Stacey Wilson. I'm telling you, it was packed. It was the best social of the entire convention and it's moved me so much where every week since I have made it a mission to have a person of color to the point where I hope in six, six months from now, I don't even have to say that. But Eddie, knowing that you were in the early doors, can you talk about what it meant to be black and be a leader in the game? Yeah, I, I think for most of us, I mean, the names that you mentioned as well, you know, you can even, you know, it, it wasn't really about um you know trying to kind of blaze a trail for the black soccer player um it, it you know we didn't really have a choice that's just how it was we most of us grew up as the only black player on their youth soccer team because the sport wasn't inclusive and so uh, most of us kind of stumbled into the game um others of us had parents who were from the caribbean or from from you know a country in africa so their parents were familiar with the sport. Um, others of us, again, just kind of just stumbled into it and and stuck with it. So, um, you know, I, I think just by default, um, we became sort of these these trailblazers in that, you know, I would have, you know, black kids that would come up to me and say, hey, I remember watching you play. I was the only black kid on my team that kind of, you know, spurred me on and um, it gave me the confidence to keep going. And, uh, and I think in those ways, although they were un unintentional, they were super important, again, for all the individuals you named in the room. I mean, I, I was coached at the uh, the sort of the pre-Olympic level by Lincoln Phillips. Mm. And um, and so, again, so there were times where we were able to intersect with some of these legends of the game. And those little touch points 
always helped us, you know, move forward. And I'd say now, you know, you fast forward, you know, and, and, you know, MLS next pro is a major opportunity to involve black coaches into the sport, black executives into the sport, black owners into the sport, hopefully here um, soon. I've always said, you know, it's not something that kind of just happens. And and that is unfortunate. And I'm, and I'm happy that, that you've decided to do what you, 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 you said that you've done because diversity is a choice. And, and I always, I always love that phrase. And, and I, I steal that from, um, I think he was the CEO of the Olympics, but um, about Special Olympics, but um, I, I was on a call with him and um, a bunch of other people. And when he said that, and the way that he wanted to build out his team, that's always resonated with me, is that it, it just won't happen on its own, right? We have to be intentional about it. And those individuals that choose to be intentional about it, about it make a massive difference. So I thank you for doing that. Um, it is much appreciated. Um, I'm so happy that you went to that event um, and, and enjoyed it. And uh, so for all of us, yeah, we, we're really appreciative and we want to keep on keeping on. Um, and, and again, I'm happy that MLS has actually made this, made it a point. And if you go on and you look at the MLS Next Pro website, you'll see it um, all over the website talking about diversity, equity, inclusion. And um, so it's going to be fun to watch it kind of grow in this in this league and then to watch those individuals then move on to the MLS level. Um, so I'm I'm excited about that. And again, but super thankful that you took the time to even have me on and, um, and, and others as well. Well, we'll end with this because one of the reasons I feel like I was so spiritually lifted is because of Nicole Hercules, who I didn't know five years ago, but now I watch her with awe on what she's done to prop up the black soccer coaches within United Soccer Coaches, where I saw you at the convention. I know you were there. So yeah. I know you're aware of the work she did, and now she's handed it over to not one person, but five great leaders because she was doing the work of five plus. So let's just end with that. When you think about the growth, and maybe you weren't there with day one when Lincoln Phillips was in a room with just three other coaches to the point now where there wasn't enough room, Eddie, in that room, and it was jamming and it was fun. Let's end with that. What can you say about what she's done to prop up the black soccer coaches, not just for MLS next or MLS, but I'm talking nationwide and maybe even worldwide. Yeah. I mean, she's absolutely, you know, fantastic. And, you know, this is the funny uh, Super Bowl commercial where you're not supposed to call people rock stars, but um, <laughs> she's certainly a rock star. And um, she's been paramount, at not only to the growth for black coaches, but for the, the game itself, the black woman who's, you know, she's got the double uh, minority. And so you're on the field, you're by yourself. You're looking like someone like a Kim Crab, you know, the first black national team player. Um, it's all the isolation that that you know you you end up with as as you grow with the sport. Um, she certainly experienced that, and she's used that experience to help the game move forward. And um, and and I know that there are greater things to come as far as she's concerned. Um, so I, I'm excited to see kind of where she goes next and what she does. But um, yeah, I mean, she's she's someone who also is. Um, very, uh, very highly thought of. Um, people speak volumes about her as you're doing now. So yeah, super thankful to her and to others like her. Well, and also let me speak for everybody that lives in North Carolina like I have. This is where I'm going to die. I love this place so much that we're so pleased that you're coming back to where you're from, High Point, North Carolina, Carolina Core FC. You can check out everything they're doing by going to carolinacorefc.com including the role of the U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, three-time 
World Cupper, three-time MLS Cup. He won Defender of the Year. He's done it all. Superstar at North Carolina, the great Eddie Pope. And Eddie, I started by telling you everything I had heard, and I can tell you everything I had heard was correct. It's been an honor to spend time with you. Thanks for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. And if there's any time I can help you at Carolina Core FC, I'm just down the road, would love to do it. Thank you so much, Eddie Pope. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. So fun to visit with a legend like Eddie Pope. USLW League, USL League 2 kicks off this weekend. Joel Nash heads up those two leagues for the USL. We'll meet Joel Nash and we'll talk W League and USL League 2 after these messages. Introducing the first ever CoachCon, presented by Soccer.com in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, August 11th through the 13th. Register now to experience distinct coaching education from top-level professionals and earn a special topics diploma in game analysis or organizational leadership. Spots are extremely limited. Register today at unitedsoccercoaches.org slash coachcon. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast, another jam-packed show, but we always have time for anything related to the USL. As you all know, I've been the longtime voice of North Carolina FC, and I absolutely love what the USL is doing on all levels. That includes both of their pre-professional leagues, the W League and League Two. They're set to kick off in two days. That's May 6th. We're so pleased to be joined now by Joel Nash, who's the Senior VP of the USL's Youth and Pre-Professional Properties. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, Mr. Nash. Great to have you. Thank you, Dean. Very appreciative of the time. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's start with the W League. That kicks off on Saturday. So does League Two. But let's start with the W League. What do you want people to know most about the kickoff this weekend of the W League? Yeah, Dean, it's, um, you know, it's amazing how... Uh, obviously, you know, given the the unique nature of W League and of course League Two would be similar where um, it's a shorter season, right? You can call it a summer season, uh, three, three and a half plus months, uh, but it's amazing how much work goes in behind the scenes. And I love uh, being able to both kind of give a shout out to our clubs where, you know, most of these clubs from recruiting the incredible talent and we can get into that uh, at some point. So the recruitment of talent to, you know, marketing to their community, the amount of work that goes in behind the scenes for a lot longer uh, than just a quick ramp up. So seeing all of that culminate on a on a season kickoff, you know, we have uh, five games total uh, this week in between Saturday and Sunday in the W League. Uh, we're, we're thrilled. You know, we've got uh, three new divisions across the league. Um, I'd say kind of more of the notable ones, given that uh, we've got two new divisions out on the West Coast in California with some of our teams kicking off. Um, and then also in the Pacific Northwest, you know, that's the beauty of it. We're here. We've all, uh, no matter how long you've worked in the game, watching the game grow uh, is exceptional and exciting. I think that's what fuels all the work we all do and, and the passion we bring. So just watching whether it be new communities, uh, returning standout players who might have represented their their full national teams, youth national teams, might have won national championships, all those different uh, fun accolades, they kind of come back through the lens of the W League. And now we get to tell stories, which is a lot of fun. Well, those stories start Saturday and Sunday, as you said, the kickoff of the W League and also League Two. I want to stay with the W League. I'm glad that you mentioned the extra divisions. How many teams are now in the W League and what's that growth look like over the last several years? 
Yeah, Dean, it was, you know, and I'll go kind of quick full circle. You know, last year was our inaugural year for the W League, at least this iteration. Obviously, we we formally operated a league that had a ton of success and we were able to, to really learn and grow and most importantly, watch the explosion of the women's game. And so last year we kicked off with 44 clubs. Um, and this year uh, we'll have 65 teams across 10 divisions. So uh, it's you know, again, it's a testament to those that are on the ground in their communities, whether it be clubs like, uh, at least representing the W League and Seacourage U23, but again, clubs all across the country that, that, you know, it's a huge testament to the game. And how will the playoff format work with these 60 plus teams? Great segue there. Last year with the 44 teams, we, you know, we have different committees and we work hand in hand with our clubs to create things like playoff structure, right? Where it's not a vacuum through the league. And we had eight clubs participate in the playoffs last year where we were able, given the growth of the league and a little bit of foresightedness, we've now doubled it to have 16 teams qualify for playoffs. Uh, clubs will come into what we call kind of a pod format in the first round. Again, happy to talk about at this level. It's about being savvy around travel, uh, the limited time frame that we can uh, operate our playoffs in. And then ultimately we'll go and that'll happen over the course of a weekend. Um, and then the next round will be, of course, uh, the national semifinals. And then we'll, we'll culminate with the league final there at the end of July. You did a nice job already kind of mentioning the talent level, including the fact that a lot of players in the W League actually represent their country across the world, which is pretty awesome. But if you only had one 30 second soundbite, maybe I'll give you a little extra because I love the USL to describe what the W League means, what it's about. I'm going to hit go. You go, Joel. I love it. And uh, you definitely kind of put the gauntlet on me because I, I really think there's, depending on kind of where we want to go, uh, you know, I think we already have, and quite frankly, all of the players that will end up competing in the league, they're being registered right now. Right. We're in that time period. Um, it's about players finishing their collegiate seasons or whatever environment from former professionals, elite youth players uh, we will obviously be kicking off a version of our uh, USL Academy on the girls side. So the, the W League is truly a melting pot of the highest level amateur talent in I'll, I'll brag for our clubs in the world, but certainly in North America. Uh, we had over um, 160 players represent their youth or full national teams from last year already registered to play this year. So just thinking about hundreds of players representing the highest level at their national team level, whether they're full national team or they're still amateur and playing in, in youth national teams, I think that's the type of caliber that, again, uh, we as a league, of course, want to create a system that allows our clubs to thrive and, and push the boundaries, uh, but then most importantly for these players to feel like they're going to have an incredibly professional coaching staff, you know, environment, fans to come support them. And that's what these amateur players, they, they want to feel like professionals because that's how they move from, uh, you know, from youth or traditional amateur soccer to pro. So I'd say 160 is uh, a really cool number. We had uh, already 41 players, again, from the inaugural season last year, 41 players from the W League go on to professional careers just from last year. So uh, we, we've set a aggressive number to watch that double by the end of this year, if not even triple. Um, and again, you know, it's fun watching these players compete and, and move on to careers that, you know, years ago, people would have only dreamed of doing. 
You're hearing the voice of Joel Nass, the Senior VP of USL's Youth and Pre-Professional Properties. We started talking about the fact that the W League kicks off this weekend, and Joel did a great job breaking down the growth of the W League in just two years. Amazing, 60-plus teams now, also breaking down the talent and the playoff format. Also debuting this week is League Two, and I will tell you that I'm very familiar with League Two. I actually, because I'm an old fat guy, the owners of the Flint City Bucks brought me back to Cossum Games a couple years ago. Of course, they're one of the model franchises forever, I think you can say. And then, of course, the NC Fusion making that big run. I'm good friends with Scott Wollaston and all those guys. They made that big run a couple years ago. And, and now I know North Carolina FC also will have a team in League Two, I believe. So with that, as the background, again, same thing. League Two opens up this weekend. Tell us how many teams there are. Give us all you can about League Two. Yeah, it's a juggernaut. Um, you know, it, it's exciting. And I had to, we have a resident expert here uh, internally. We're on year 29 of League wow. Two. Uh, yeah. And I think it's a, a testament to, you know, the, the sport has uh, had a, a flourishing foundation in many regards, from youth to collegiate to pre-professional now that we call it. And obviously the professional ranks are, are growing uh, tremendously. So uh, we had 113 clubs compete last year. We'll have 122 compete across the country this year. So it's um, 18 divisions. Uh, it's a pretty incredible, uh, again, just a, it, it's a, I'll call it a soundbite, but it's more of a representation of, of the explosion of the sport. Um, I think you'll like this. I'll kind of jump in on some facts. Obviously, we just had the, the men's national team compete in Qatar this past winter. Uh, we had eight players out of the 26-man roster that had League Two experience on that. So when you think about uh, you know just the, the highest opportunity that any player could ever want to compete on, representing your country at the World Cup, right? Even saying it gives you goosebumps um, to know that there was a, enough of an opportunity that our clubs could serve, you know, no matter how long they had, uh, I think all players remember the key moments in their career, and, and we're certainly thankful for that opportunity. So, yeah, we've got five teams or five games, excuse me, 10 teams kicking off this weekend as well. Uh, and, you know, we've got a couple newcomers. Obviously, you talk about um, NCFCU 23 all the way on the West Coast, Monterey Bay, uh, a USL championship side that more of a recent addition to the championship. They're adding a, a League Two team as an, you know, an epitome to bring together the, the incredible amateur talent out there uh, on the West Coast and help feed their professional team. And that's what a lot of these uh, League Two clubs are looking to do and i think to your point with flint city they're also growing soccer in markets that want their own version of a professional team and even if these players are out on the field and they're amateur players uh the fans have an incredible atmosphere cheering on their community from flint to you know Cary, north carolina to monterey california we we touch about every every portion of the country and yet as this game grows we're excited to watch the league continue to grow Remind me like you did for the W League, how do the playoffs work? How many teams get into the playoffs? Yeah, Dean, great question. Uh, again, given the uh, inherent limitations for the calendar that our leagues uh, can compete within, obviously wanting to respect the players, you know, welfare, they're, uh, they're, they're playing a lot of high-level soccer from their collegiate to even, you know, professional opportunities if, if that were ever to happen. Then obviously the competitiveness of League Two is – is probably the highest a lot of these players have ever played. So we think about that, but also we have a massive league again, 122 clubs. So last year was the first year we had uh, 32 teams qualify for playoffs. 
So there's quite a bit of uh, logistics that go into that. Um, it's obviously a great opportunity for clubs who qualify for playoffs. And the same would be for W League, I should mention, where if a club qualifies for playoffs, they have an opportunity to host. So then in front of their fans, whether it be hosting for the nth number of times or the very first time. So we have 32 teams competing in League Two, and we'll do that similar pod format. Uh, but of course, we have a lot more of those pods across the country for the first couple rounds. And then we end up with the, the national semifinal on a weekend and then the final on a weekend as well, so that we have the true uh, highest talent, you know, in teams ultimately competing in the league. Great breakdown. I'm happy to tell you that for a handful of games, I am going to cause some Courage 23 games and NCFC 23 games when I'm available. And I'm doing that one because I obviously love the team, but two, when I look at Flint, I mean, some of these teams at league two, they don't just have streaming platforms. They have linear deals with their local market TV stations, which I think is amazing, Joel. I And it's such a, a key point that quite frankly is part of you know, maybe it sounds a little business, but um, it, it's more uh, of the world that that I'm living in, which is how do we continue to take the momentum of this sport, uh, the club's momentum in their local market, and not only showcase it to more people in the local market who, for any reason, of course, like any sport can't make it to a game, but quite frankly, showcase these clubs and this talent across the country and even internationally. And uh, I think it is communities like a Flint. Uh, we've got some incredible little bit more recent communities burlington vermont with vermont green actually the men and blazers are going to be hosting a show up there june 1st of this year to communities all over the place where you know those those fans want to watch their team and they want to feel what we all what you have for the courage what i might have for uh a yet to be named team being from birmingham alabama all of that to say you know they, they want to feel that and i think the professionalism is another area that we take very seriously on how we continue to grow with our clubs and and showcase them in a you know in a more professional environment. Wonderful breakdown coming from Joel Nash, the senior VP of Youth and Pre-Professional Properties for USL. This weekend, the W League and League Two kick off, and we broke it down right here. Joel, before we let you go, I do this with all of my guests. I want to know a little bit more about you. Tell me the Joel Nash story. Where are you from? Where you went to college and how you landed this really cool job? I think it's a cool job because I love the USL. Yeah, thanks, Dean. I it's it's um I enjoy doing this because it helps remind me. Um, I have quite a bit of passion in my day-to-day. -day. You can ask those around me. Uh, but I'm actually born in a small town in, in Southern Alabama, Dothan, Alabama, but I was raised in Birmingham, Alabama. I was the first person in my entire family to play the sport of soccer. Um, there was something, I caught the bug, so to speak, very early, and the rest is history. I was able to play for the under-17 national team in residency, so I had a wonderful opportunity as a, as a youth player, then went on to play college soccer at the University of Evansville uh, in Indiana, and then uh, after that was trying to you know, make my way into professional soccer. Uh, so I have that passion for what a lot of these players are going through, which is where the, the kind of pre-professional world is such a um, exciting opportunity for me personally, but for our company. Uh, and when I was pursuing the pro career, actually, uh, Mike Jacobs with uh, Nashville SC and MLS, uh, he was my college coach at Evansville, spent a short amount of time here at the league office, and he opened uh, opened the door and uh, now we're here. So kind of joined in our youth property. And I think as the game grows, if you have the right passion and um, create the right opportunities, you know, over time, I've been blessed to be able to kind of take lead on 
whether it be expansion, strategic planning, most importantly for me is the ownership relationships that we have with the, the leaders at all these clubs. And that's really the majority of, of my role on a day-to-day -day right now. Awesome. By way of Alabama through Evansville and the Purple Aces, where, by the way, I called a lot of games back on the then NSCA game of the week on Fox Soccer. I called them when Freddie Smalls was there, and I called them when Mike Jacobs was there. And I have time for both of them and anybody from Evansville. So thanks so much for sharing your story. Lastly, Lisa Payton, who has done an amazing job promoting everything about USL would be mad if we didn't plug your websites where people can follow the W League and League Two. It's probably the main website, but I just want to make sure you've got a chance also to promote social media. Before we say goodbye, Joel Nash, please tell us where people can learn all they want about not just USL, but more specifically as it relates to you, W League and League Two. Yeah, wonderful. Well, uh, thankfully, they're easy enough. Just spell them out from a league standpoint. So it's USLLeague2.com and USLWLeague.com. And then uh, I'm sure ultimately all of the social channels typing in USL League 2 or USLW League, that'll, uh, that'll, you, that'll get you to those spaces as well. All right. I admire your passion. I love it. I'm glad that uh, Lisa recommended this, particularly just two days before the W League and League 2 set to kick off on what is a jam-packed schedule. They both grew uh, in big time, and that'll mean an exciting run toward the playoffs, exciting run toward, toward some local TV packages, big crowds, and everything that's great about USL. You're bringing it, Joel Nash. Thank you so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. It's been a pleasure, sir. Dean, thank you so much. Thank you, Joel. It's API Heritage Month, and we meet the chair of the API Heritage Community for United Soccer Coaches, Ashu Saksuena who will break down all of the guests he'll have on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. A shoe on the bounce. As a soccer coach, you're no stranger to developing your players. But how are you developing your own expertise? As a United Soccer Coaches member, you receive access to a range of resources, like our online learning platform, The Training Ground, to aid in the growth and enhancement of your coaching skills and career. From coaching education courses to lifestyle services, take advantage of new opportunities and member benefits with an annual United Soccer Coaches membership for just $125. Join the home of all coaches today at unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gap. Just a quick but important interview to set up the month because just two days ago, May started API Heritage Month, and we're so pleased to be joined by Ashu Saxena, who is the chair of the United Soccer Coaches API Coaches community. We're going to have some guests on later this month as part of our celebration of API Heritage Month. And with that, we welcome Ashu. Ashu, thanks for popping in real quick on this week's podcast. You're welcome, Dean. Happy to be here. Yeah, first off, when you say API Heritage Month, what does that mean to you and your community? Yeah, it's a it's a month really that we've we've are gonna ace. Ace is our acronym. So we're gonna advocate, we're gonna celebrate, and we're gonna educate. And the best way for listeners to keep up with us is to follow us on Twitter at API underscore coaches. Uh, all month long, we'll highlight guests and share news articles and resources, uh, really to give the API heritage and ally members a place to to belong and connect and really celebrate this month we're going to try to get four guests we have three already you and then 
two already booked. I'm going to ask you a shoe to go ahead and try to find another one because I think it's that important as we celebrate API Heritage Month, particularly with your leadership of the United Soccer Coaches, API Coaches community. If we end up one short, that's okay, but I'm definitely dedicated to what's going on with API Heritage Month and would love to give the opportunity, okay? So if you get another guest, let's go for it. But with that, two guests are already booked. Can you tell me about the two guests that will be on to celebrate API Heritage Month on the United Soccer Coaches podcast? Yeah, sure, Dean. Um, Caitlin Akamoto is our um, May 11th guest, and she is with the U.S. Soccer Foundation. She has a lot of experience with um, college coaching, uh, the club and grassroots levels, um, just a fantastic person and background, very accomplished in terms of having an A license. And she will share what she's doing more specifically with the U.S. Soccer Foundation, and that is she's the director of the coach new coach mentoring training program. And our May 25th show will include um, Tiffany Robert Sahedek, um, well known to listeners around the globe. Um, she's well accomplished in her playing career as well as her coaching career. And she'll set the table for um, the upcoming Women's World Cup this July as she is a part of the U.S. Uh, Women's National Team's coaching staff. Yeah, you have to be super proud of Tiffany Roberts-Sahedic. I think you know my story with her having been uh, with the U.S. women and then also her being a star for the original Carolina Courage that won the WSA. And then I've covered multiple games for her as part of the NSCA game of the week on Fox and also um, with United Soccer Coaches. The great thing about both of your guests is they're great people. Definitely, Dean. Um, this is what we plan to showcase this month. Every every morning, um, we're putting out um, at least three to four of the faces and, and names um, in our group just to showcase that diversity and um, just to give them a place to have a spotlight and share you know, their circles of influence as well as all the people who want to celebrate them. And the hope is through this ACE acronym, <laughs> that we can go on and, and celebrate um, the Asian Pacific Islander community, um, not just this month, but hopefully for months to come. As, as you all know, you've been a great supporter and we really appreciate United Soccer Coaches backing us up. And I'm willing to do more. I know you're paying attention to how much the Black Soccer Coaches Legend event moved me to the point where I want to make a difference. And I also would be very willing to do the same for you. So I know I've said it to you before, but I want to say it live here on the podcast. You are welcome anytime, uh, Shu, and your group. I hope you do know that. We appreciate that, Dean. And we, we are um, friends for life uh, with the soccer community that you've created. We, we are very grateful for, for any time um, that, that United Soccer Coaches and Dean Linky has given to us. Um, it means a lot from the heart, um, no doubt, for sure. We will continue this collaboration and um, celebrate together. Two more quick plugs. You are also an author of a book and I don't feel like I've done a good enough job promoting that book. And I want to do it here as we celebrate API Heritage Month. Tell us the name of your book and where we can find it, Ashu. Yeah, the name of the book is The Well-Rounded Soccer Coach. Really, you can find it pretty much anywhere, <laughs> Amazon, so forth and so on. And um, it was written for the uh, 360 view of um, coaching. It includes a chapter on leadership, chapters on team culture, year-round training. In there, I put a, uh, 50 training sessions that are not your typical 
um, book kinds of sessions, you know, focused on one or two um, topics. But the real sessions that we used uh, in a run to the state championship at the youth level were very, very competitive. So it includes things like the beginning words. What did I say to open up the session? It's sort of a United Soccer Coaches coaching platform in terms of uh, developing exercises from fundamental to game related and, uh, you know, closing words and some of the exercises that we did that were very applied. Um, and so that's that's really the gist of the book. I, I wrote it to be a coach's ally more than anything and, and a helpful resource. All right. Once again, API Heritage Month kicked off on Monday. That's May 1. This is our first May show. Our goal is to have somebody from the API soccer coaches community with United Soccer Coaches on each and every week, including the two great guests that Ashu already mentioned. As we say goodbye, remind me one more time what A stands for and remind me where people can follow you and get involved in the United Soccer Coaches API coaches community. The ACE for this month, the theme is advocate, celebrate, and educate. And listeners can find us at API underscore coaches on Twitter. And every day there's a lot of helpful information and also to celebrate the great people we have in API. All right, API Heritage Month kicking off May 1. We'll cover it all month long on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. We are with the chair of the United Soccer Coaches API Coaches Community Issue. Always a pleasure. Thanks for jumping on this week's United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thank you so much, Dean. Appreciate it. Always great to spend time with Issue. When we return, we hang out with Greg Winkler, who I saw at the convention in Philadelphia. He's still doing great things for high school soccer. He's writing books. Greg Winkler, a friend of the association, when we return. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. I'm joined by Greg Winkler, a longtime member of the United Soccer Coaches, big in high school. He's also an author. Great to see you again, Greg. It's great to see you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, tell me what uh, you're going to take in at the convention. Anything that uh, you've noted that you definitely want to attend? Well, I, I already attended the uh, high school club collaboration one. That's an important issue for me and uh, one we deal with all the time. So that was really interesting. Um, I'm going to look at a lot of the high school presentation stuff. Uh, I was just heading up to look at the counter-pressing uh, thing up in the demo hall. But um, I'm also interested in that urban the urban uh, license diploma, whatever they're doing, certificate on Sunday. Okay. So uh, we're use, we're doing a lot of work with our youth in Punta Gorda. Like to see what they have to offer and what kind of ideas they have for for the younger kids and some of the disadvantaged areas of our town. So now, Greg, officially, are you still on the high school group with United Soccer Coaches, or did you give that up? No, I I didn't give it up. But okay. the high school advocacy group has turned into something bigger. Right. With so, Lee. So Lee is now in charge, and it's a it's a full-time position in the national office. And then the role that I had as the uh, high school chair, uh, that was only supposed to be a three-year term, and it ended up being eight. Mm -hmm. And then when I left last year, it was because the program was transitioning to a full-time paid person to 
But that's got to make you happy, right? You're not disappointed by that at oh, all, are you? No, not at all. I yeah. think it's uh, from a high school perspective where I think it elevated our standing. I think uh, United Soccer coaches realizes that a big part of the membership is high school coaches and um, and and we really need something and we got to get the message out to high school coaches that uh, about the great opportunities that this organization provides so I, I think it's awesome I'm still uh, I'm doing some videos for Lee once a month for the high school newsletter okay and um, and then uh, I'm you know talking to, to Jeff this week about possibly some committee work or something so I can stay relevant stay involved it's such a great organization and uh, i don't want to like lose that excitement i've had for the last eight years and well and as you know every time we've talked i love high school soccer i love the fact you know both my boys were basketball players but they played high school soccer and i actually feel like and i've said it several times on this podcast they have better memories of that than basketball and they were big time basketball players i love what soccer brought to them to the high school level but the biggest thing is what you just said you went to that panel on high school and youth be blunt, be open with me. How's that going? So, I, I mean, I, I, I was uh, really frustrated myself personally about a month ago because in Florida, different than a lot of states, you can play club and high school at the same time. So I had a young freshman uh, varsity player that was in, he's involved in a club in, in our area that is just um, on hyperdrive. They don't concern themselves with anything going on at the high school level. So this... This young 14-year-old kid was having a meltdown because we had three games that week for high school because of a makeup, because of some weather thing, and which is more than I want to play. But so then we had two practices that week, and then he had club practice after both of our high school practices, and then on Saturday and Sunday he had a tournament where he played four games. So the number of soccer events that week was just overwhelming, and he still has to worry about school. So. I wrote this article about how we can fix it, and then you know I sent it to Lee, and she said, you know maybe you want to wait a little bit, <laughs> you know. But it's a it's frustrating. It's frustrating because there are so many good uh, clubs that work with the high schools, or they take off during the high school season. And I think high school is so important. High school, playing high school soccer. I just had a conversation with another guy. Like on game day, we're wearing our our jerseys in the hallway at school, and kids are there's some excitement about our team and kids are coming up to our players and and there could be a player that is playing at a high level club team but it's not playing for high school walking down the hall at the same time and they don't care they don't know he's playing they don't care that he's playing they want to support their boys that are playing for their high school team so it i think there's so many valuable things uh other than you know winning and whatever but just the recognition they get the uh, the way they the way they feel in the hallway, the way they feel about school. Like mm. some of my kids need that, so they stay motivated to keep their grades up. You know, and it's so important. And I think we do a disservice to our kids when when we don't have a good relationship with a club, and and they don't like recognize that regardless of the ability of that high school coach, there's the kids are getting something out of it. Like they they they're not going to get bad because they're playing for a coach that doesn't really know a whole lot and he's just filling a role at that school like there's some of those out there but they're still like they're still with their friends and they're still like meaning they're doing something meaningful in their school so um again like you high school has meant so much to me uh coaching it and seeing these kids and building those relationships 
Um, I like it. That's a good hot take, yeah. and I knew you would have a good hot take. <laughs> and I want another hot take on another issue, and that is, look, there's almost 30,000 members with United Soccer Coaches. A lot of them are here, but not everybody does what you did, and that is get involved. What has getting involved in a big way with United Soccer Coaches meant to you and your quality of life even? I don't think I can ever replace that experience. Um, the the people I meet, and, and it's not just having a relationship with the CEO, and it's, uh, it's guys like you, and it's uh, uh, Shelby who's helping with the convention, and Erica having relationships with these people that are behind the scenes, and they work so hard for us. And, you know, they're not getting a 300 wins award or a, you know, a coach of the year award. And, and they are just trying to make us have the best possible experience we can. And if I didn't get involved with the association, I wouldn't know those people. And I wouldn't realize the amount of work they do. So when I see them, it's like, you know, I give them a hug and thank you. And, um, and uh, the rest of the coaches are walking by and who, who is this person? You know, like, um, and, and, I, and I think that this organization has done so much for soccer coaches in general. You know, the educational programs here are, are just top notch. And I think my video for the high school newsletter this week, I talk about that ever since I started taking these courses, it's been about me becoming a better coach with, my, with what I have, where I'm at, just becoming better. It wasn't about, well, we're going for a license and only 30% of the participants can pass. So it was about when you started on Monday and now it's Sunday and your, tra your national diploma is over with, are you a better coach? And if you can say you are and you picked up some stuff that you can improve on, that, that means more than, okay, you're now this level coach and, you know, whatever. I, I, just, I just really grateful for the education I received through this program and getting involved was a way for me to get back and, um, you know, and, and I'll continue doing it as long as they'll have me. Another great <laughs> answer. Last question here. Uh, I always like when you plug your books. Uh, we try to do that. So uh, plug your books for everybody here, Greg, before we say goodbye. All right. I have two, two books. My first one, Coaching a Season of Significance. I actually did a presentation here five years ago with, on that topic. And uh, what, what's really rewarding is when I was at the high school collaboration, I introduced the speakers. And a coach from Oklahoma came up to me and said, did you present five years ago? And I said, I said yes. And he said, that, that information you gave me, teacher appreciation night, all the, all the extra stuff you do has, has made a difference in our program, and I just want to thank you. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's from that book. And then my newest one is the Transformational Coach, and um, that's about mindfulness. And, again, it's, it's uh, geared towards it's a it's my soccer stories but I'm, i tried to make one that was maybe a football coach would pick up or a basketball coach because you know sometimes those coaches don't don't take that soccer book off the shelf you know but um but those are my two books and uh i think they're i think they got some good information and coaches can can get something out of them and Thank you very much. Yeah, I always love having you on. I love the fact that you continue to trumpet the high school soccer Thank you. banner. I love it, uh, Greg. Thanks so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast here. Thank you, Dean. Thank you. All right, we're not done. When we return, we meet another member of the amazing United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 class.
United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your players' development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, another wonderful show, and of course, capped off by my favorite part of the show, meeting an amazing member of our 30 Under 30 class, as I'm so pleased to be joined by Manu Costa. We'll have her tell you how her real name is pronounced, and she already told me that she only hears it if she makes her mom mad by way of Brazil, <laughs> now at Smith College. Welcome, Manu. Great to have you on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Hi, Dean. So great to be here. I appreciate it. Uh, so my first name is Emanuele Costa, and last name Costa, but as I said, the only person who calls me Emanuele is my mom, and when I hear that, I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> so I go by Manu, um, and it's really good to be here with you. Thank you for yeah. having me. Well, yeah, same here, because we already have really cool ties. So we have ties to my wife by where you lived. We have ties to Chloe Kane, who's a 30 under 30, and we have ties to Kathy Braun, one of my great coaches. But let's start about where you lived by giving you the blank campus to talk about, you know, where you grew up, when you came to the States and everything you've done before arriving as a grad assistant at Smith College. Don't leave anything out. And I know it does start, I think, with born in Brazil. Yes, it does. Now you're 100% right. It's, it's a great opportunity for me to get to talk about this because my family and I, we spent nearly my entire life chasing soccer and chasing this passion. As you probably familiar with the Brazilian scenario for women's soccer, nowadays is way better than what it used to be. But growing up was tough. The the challenges that I had to face as a girl and like as a kid just to be able to play the game I love. Most people don't know this just because Brazil is just a great venue for soccer. You know, the way that we live soccer, we breathe soccer, we eat soccer. Anywhere you go, you see soccer. I find it really funny here in, in the States that I see kids dribbling a soccer ball like a basketball. Mm-hmm. And in Brazil, it would be the totally contrary. Like if they found a, a basketball, they would kick. Like, <laughs> I, I remember kicking a coconut when I was little with my brother. Sure. We were at the club and we wanted to kick something. We didn't have a ball and we saw coconut and we were like, why not? <laughs> and to this day, I think, how did we do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't kick a coconut today if I saw one. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I was born in Brazil, born and raised in Brazil. I started playing soccer when I was four years old. It was just challenging because soccer wasn't meant for girls in Brazil. In fact, it was a crime until 1979 for women to play soccer in Brazil, which is insane to think. Like I think about it and like my mom was born in 1974 so like up until she was five years old, it was a crime for her to even consider to play the sport. It's incredible for me to look back and just see like everything that she did and my family did just for me to be able to play. I remember every week I would get home with a paper from my supervisors at school because I was fighting with the boys and she would ask me what happened and I'd be like, well, I wanted to play. They told me I couldn't because I'm a girl. So I stepped inside of the court and I stood there until they let me play. (laughs) And that happened for as long as I can remember up until I was 15 years old. Today, I can look back, laugh about it. But I remember that like many of those days I had to physically fight just to play. 
And I remember since I were like I was little, I remember like you know women's soccer in the states that they were the powerhouse of women's soccer. So I remember I was like five years old, and I told my mom, "Mom, like one day I'm gonna grow up and I'm gonna go play in the states and I'm gonna go to college." I keep having these conversations with my mom, you know, and we can't really grasp that that happened because I was so little when I mumbled that to her. <laughs> It's crazy to me just to be able. To say that I had the family support, even though the entire country didn't support, my family was there to set the stones for me to walk into and just be able to play the game I love. I played with boys up until I was fifteen, uh, and I remember I was playing futsal. Uh, futsal is really big in Brazil; everybody plays. And this coach was watching, and he was the coach of a club, Atlético Mineiro, back in the day. And he was like, ah. Uh, You're not a futsal keeper. I'm a goalkeeper. He was like, "You're not a futsal keeper. You're a field player." And I was like, "Yes, I am, but I'm filling in for the futsal team." And he gave me his card. And I think six months later, I actually like took him up onto his like work. I met with him because one of my coaches. So I jumped the first steps <laughs> when I was, <laughs> yeah. So like when I was 12, I had this coach that it was like one of the two. Uh, soccer clubs in my in my neighbor, and my mom took me there. It was like you know every, all the kids were talking about everybody that played soccer was talking about this place. So my mom took me there, and the coach told me, "Well, uh, we don't take girls, and even if we did, girls are too weak to be goalkeepers. So you, if you want to play, you have to play in the field." And you know I was 12, so all I wanted to do was play. So I said, "Sure." And I tried out to play on the field, and I scored four goals on that training. And he was like, "Oh my God, yeah, you can play. Even for a girl, you can play. So I guess you can you can keep trying out the next week." Long story short, I played for this guy for like a couple of years, but I didn't like playing on the field. I really loved goalkeeping because the first time I ever played soccer, first time I ever got to play soccer, I was five. My cousins were playing on the street, you know, because that's where we play in Brazil. A lot of the time, we were playing on the streets, and they wouldn't let me play because I'm I was a girl. And one day, nobody wanted to be the keeper. They were like, "We don't want to get hit by the ball." And then I was like, you know, like cleaning my tears, and I was like, "Okay, I'll I'll play. I'll go and go." And when I did that, and I actually started saving their shots, and I saw how pissed they were. Oh, that was complete pure joy for me because. <laughs> All of a sudden, the boys that didn't let me play, now I was stopping them from scoring. I fell in love with it, and I finally quit that the first club I played. And I told my mom I want to be a goalkeeper, and so we went and we found another club, a guy named Alison Marcus. He was the first coach to believe in me. He took me in and he said, "You can play wherever you want, and I'll support you." He gave me the place and room to grow. He taught me a lot. Both on the field and off the field, he was in fact the first guy that gave me a coaching job when I was 15. Because I started playing club and I started learning a lot of the goalkeeping technique, so I would get back to my neighbors and see the kids struggling. So I started getting there 30 minutes early to teach these kids, and he saw that and he was like, "Well, you know, why don't you start getting here an hour early and I'll get a couple goalkeepers for you to, to teach, and if that goes well, then you're on board." It may seem small, but it really changed everything for me as a kid and as a person. And 
he allowed me to grow and allowed me to go on and like play for a, a big club in Brazil, wear a jersey for the first time, play on the grass field for the first time when I was 15 and just play with girls. I was in this whole new like planet that I never knew we existed. And it was right there in my hometown, like in my city, like a couple, couple um, half hours from my house. And it was really awesome. It was really amazing. Reading your bio, you spent time at multiple colleges. So help me understand when you came over, did you play at multiple colleges or did you coach at multiple colleges or all of the above? A little bit of all of the above. When I first came, I went to Iowa. I had a couple of friends that played there the year prior to 2016. That's when I first came to the U.S. And everybody asked me why Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) And I loved it. I fell in love with Iowa. The people there were amazing. It was really great. I did not do well with the weather. My Brazilian blood did not mm-hmm. adapt to the cold. That was one lie they told me mm-hmm. when they said, you're going to get used to it. I don't think I ever did. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I played in Iowa for two years. And then I transferred to University of Bridgeport in Connecticut in 2018. We were really fortunate with our team. We won Nationals 2018. It was a really incredible experience. Our team lost to Grand Valley State during preseason by 7-0. And then we went all the way to meet Grand Valley in the finals. We were the underdogs and we beat Grand Valley 1-0. Wow. Okay. National champions in 2018. It was, uh, it was incredible. It was a really nice experience. And then I was coming off a big injury in 2018. I had a bilateral compartment syndrome in both of my legs. I needed a fresh start have most of the team needed and I decided to transfer and chase another state another program so I transferred to Tennessee and I played for Lincoln Memorial University for another two years and I graduated from Lincoln Memorial University in Tennessee we won conference back to back we had a great team we had a lot of fun playing that was a big Brazilian community there because the coach was Brazilian the coach prior to the one that recruited me was Brazilian so and he stayed there for like years so there was a lot of Brazilians in the area, a lot of people trying to, you know, speak Portuguese, get familiar with the language. So it was a really cool experience for me. And after that, I decided to dive deep into coaching. I was doing it on the side with the playing, but then I finally got the time to dive deep into that. So I went to Florida and I coached for ESPN for a year. They have uh, multiple sports and they have Idea Soccer. Like it's basically a club that it's there at ESPN and has multiple teams so I coached two elite teams at ESPN for a year I coached U9 and U13 for that year and then that's how yeah girls Mm -hmm. yeah it was amazing I miss them they're awesome (laughs) (laughs) and then from that it was time to you know to get back to my education and pursue my master's and I was coaching kids since 2018 youth and while I I love it because you know their minds are just like so incredible the way they think the way they solve problems I love it but I was ready to you know take on a new challenge and coach college I knew the coach here and I was coaching a summer camp in the Berkshires in Massachusetts some connections and they were like here uh, I think this would be a great fit for you and I interviewed and I loved Smith you know just the the culture and the area and then I ended up meeting Kathy in the process was great well that, that's the next connection so kathy yeah. braun probably even almost before you were born are pretty close so the nscaa is what united soccer coaches used to be called and for 15 years or so they would do the nsca game of the week on fox soccer and kathy 
had us come to Colgate multiple times and I fell in love with Colgate. It was incredible. I know she's not at Colgate anymore, but with that, I also had this great appreciation for Kathy Braun and her love of the association. So now you work for her and I'm guessing maybe there was somebody before, but I can't imagine a better supporter of what United Soccer Coaches does than Kathy. Was she the one that said, hey, try out for the 30 under 30 or was it somebody else? No, you're you're 100% right. Uh, she's great. Just She's just a great role model and just a great person to be around. Her love of the game and her love of just like growth and the way that she pushes us to pursue that, it's incredible. You know, I had a, a friend on the class, Tuggy Under Tuggy, the past year, and we were talking about, and Kathy told me like, you know, uh, I think you should apply. And then she helped me walk through the process. Uh, I was a bit nervous. You did a writing. video one, right? Did you do a yeah, video? I did a yeah. video. Yeah. yeah. And then I told her, I was like, I got a bit emotional when I'm talking about soccer and my experience. So I don't know if I should do a video or if I should write. And she was like, no, I think, I think you should go with the video. So she helped me through it. I, I don't, I don't even know how many times I recorded those videos. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, because- and who was the who was the person beforehand? Because I know Chloe Kane's part of your class, who you also know, but there's another person that had already been involved. It's Haley. Uh, she was on the third and the class. Yes, she okay. was on the class from uh, twenty. Yes, I know Haley. Yeah, I've interviewed yeah. her too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, uh, from New York, she coached in New York. She was in the class, and we coached together during the summer. It was great that we got to meet each other at convention and we're like, oh my God. Cause you know, when she was telling me about her experience with it, I was like, oh, that's super cool. But I never grasped it like, oh, maybe I, you know, that I could, I should apply or anything. And then Kathy just came in and she was like, you know, like, I think this would be something really good for you. And when I applied, I was like, okay. Uh, and when I, we were, me and Chloe, we were kind of nervous to, you know, just like hear about it. And when we both got in from like the, working in the same college, it was kind of neat to find that out. And, That's and Kathy too, because she pushed, Kathy pushed us both, both Chloe and I to apply. So, so you'll yeah. always have that connection together. That means you were at the convention in Philadelphia. What was the biggest thing you took away from your time at the convention? It's hard for me not to bring my background into things, just for me to be able to be in an environment where everything is trying to set you up for success, no matter if you're a woman, a man, if you're, you know, a high school coach, if you're a youth coach, if you're a college coach, if you're a player, like just to be in that environment where literally everything inspires you, to me was awesome. I also got to connect with the, you know, the women's community and the Latino coaches community. And that experience just to like see how many ways I could succeed looking back to when I was a kid and I couldn't play because I was a girl. And now I'm in this beautiful environment where everything screams like for me to be successful. That was an incredible opportunity. Speaking of beautiful environments, I feel like Chloe said at Smith, it is a heavy focus on women and women's careers and getting your degrees. Can you elaborate on that? Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that that is the big divisor for me to choose Smith because that's something I'm passionate about. Being a role model for the girls that, that play the game, just for them to be able to look at you and be like, okay, that's another thing we can achieve was incredible. Playing and when I mentioned I was a U12 coach, right? And I remember the first time I stepped on the field, their eyes, like, because I was the first woman to come coach at ESPN. And they looked at me and they were like, 
oh my god like you know like what's happening and <laughs> I could see like their little eyes like glowing and all of a sudden is this whole new word for them right so when I I heard that Smith is a woman's college and you know everything they do is to you know set women up for success just to bring women to the conversation they're huge into what they did with women's sports right from the beginning from when the school was founded and to what it is today it's just amazing for example for the athletics department it's a whole department just you know focused on the woman side of things and that aspect and that to me is just priceless right you're not just hearing about the conversation like you are part of that conversation smith is an incredible environment for these girls to be at you know again just like it's that environment where everything around you is trying to set you up for success and trying to build you up for something that it's priceless. What a beautiful picture you painted. So with that picture, I kind of want to know the town that it's located in and just confirm the division it is in NCAA for me, please. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Smith College uh, plays in the Division Three for NCAA. We are in the New Mac Conference. The city is Northampton, Massachusetts. Uh, it's gorgeous. It is really pretty. Nice. You know, it's okay. so pretty. When I first got here, I was like, wow. And actually, fun fact, our college campus was designed by the same person who designed Central Park. No way. Central Park yeah. and Smith College. Central Park is, yeah. is beautiful. That's awesome. <laughs> I so know. since you're there, what are you getting your degree in? What Smith does is every assistant coach for the teams, we have the opportunity to pursue a master's degree. Chloe was in my class too. Uh, I do exercise science and sports studies. Okay. Just a couple more questions because your story was okay. fascinating. You did a great job taking your time, breaking it down. And you started with your mom. So as we close it out here, second to the last question, I just want to go back to your mom because it sounds like even based on your video application, you talked a lot about your mom. Can you speak for your mom about how proud she is that you're at Smith, that you are a member of 30 Under 30, that you are living your dream here in the States, yeah. just like you said when you were a little five-year-old? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah, that's something. My mom, I really hope she can come for my graduation, uh, for my master's. Uh, that's something that we both have in our, like, you know, on our to-do list. Well, I think to put it this way, uh, she holds every single trophy and jersey I have ever worn. <laughs> <laughs> that's something I have to do every single you know diploma I take every single when I was like player of the week the defensive player of the year when I was you know national player of the week everything I hold I have to take home like she has it and it's this like I get home and she has you know my pictures on the wall she has my trophies on you know on her on her little like living room thing she has my medals from when I was I don't know, five years old, she, she holds everything. And I make sure I, you know, I just praise her on everything I do because I would, I would not be here uh, without her support. You know, she had her dreams and, you know, 1974 growing up, you can imagine she wasn't able to pursue many of her own dreams. So I remember from an early age, she telling me and my siblings that she would do anything for us to be able to do that. I think I have to tell this story even, I, I think I told that on my application too. I remember when I was 12 and I was playing for that club and that was a championship and we could not participate in this championship without this specific pair of like green socks, you know? <laughs> and I think they were like 20 bucks back in the day and we were not doing great financially. And I told my mom, I was like, don't buy the stupid socks. I don't have to play. It's fine. Like use the money to buy stuff for the house. You know, I don't, I don't need to play. 
And I went to sleep. And the, the next day, when I got home from school, the socks were in my bed. And, you know, and I played the championship. We won. Oh. And she was just, it was just priceless. Yes. You know, and that I look back to everything I have accomplished today. And it takes me back to that moment where she invested those 20 bucks on that pair of socks for me to be yeah. able to play that championship. You so, did, you know, you did need to tell that story. And I think that sets up the perfect segue for my last question. And the question that I've asked every member of the 30 under 30 class. And I think with you, it's even more fascinating because at five, you knew where you wanted to be and how you wanted to do it. So now that you're at Smith working with Kathy Braun, now that you're getting your master's, now that you've got great friends like Chloe Kane, who I was blown away with, I think I mentioned I want her to call a courage game with me. That would be incredible as well. Where do you see yourself 15 years from now? I hope it's still in the States, but maybe it's back at Brazil now that, you know, Pia's leading the team. And I don't know. Have you thought about that at all? Where do you want to be in 15 years? Yeah, if I if I tell if I tell you I hadn't thought of that, I'll I'll be lying. Uh, I love Pia and her work is incredible. Um, you know, growing up watching the the Brazilian national team and just seeing everything that Pia is doing for the game and for the the team in Brazil is incredible. I actually was uh, fortunate enough to meet Pia in Costa Rica. Smith did uh we had a you know a preseason trip. So me, Chloe, and Kathy, we all went with the team mm -hmm. for to Costa Rica. And we were watching the, the U-20 World Cup and Pia just passed us by in the stands. And I was like, that's Pia. Uh, <laughs> and I had, you know, had the honor to have this talk with her and she's, she's just incredible. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I definitely see myself around the game. I joke that that's the only thing Brazilians know how to do, <laughs> which is soccer. It has to be football. <laughs> it has to be something related to football, but... It's my passion and I'm I'm fortunate to work with, you know, such great people such as, you know, Chloe. It was incredible to have her around and, you know, just to be with Kathy and just I learn with Kathy every single day mm. and it's it's an incredible environment. I think she's a witch sometimes. I told her that. <laughs> but sometimes we we were in the side we're in the sidelines and you know there's this ball and she just like she gets up and she tells a player like you know, take one step to your right and one to in front and the ball falls right there. <laughs> and I'm like, how is this, how is nobody else, you know, like blown away by this? I'm like, what? <laughs> and she does it every game. Just, you know, uh, her passion and her, her perspective on things really add to my life. So I definitely see myself around the game. I do want to play. I do want to coach um, college for, for a couple more years. I do want to, I, I want to coach club. Uh, and I want to coach at a professional level. Okay. I'm going to mimic my five-year-old self. And I'm just going to say that, you know, in, in the future, in this 15 years, I do want to be, you know, coaching the goalkeepers of the Brazilian national team and, you know, Let's maybe go. coaching at NWSL here in the U.S. because I Let's love go. it. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. All right. Let's end with you saying your full name, middle name and everything in the best Brazilian Portuguese accent you can say it in. Say it for me. All right. Uh, I am Emanuele Camila Costa de Belo Horizonte, Brazil. Boom. I love it. What a great <laughs> honor to interview you. And I love all the ties that we have and especially your ties to Brazil where, you know, my wife of nearly 30 years grew up. So uh, obviously my heart is always with Brazil and anybody that uh, comes from Brazil, including you. So thanks so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Really proud of you and good luck in the future.
Thank you, Dinlik. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And, you know, let's let's get back to this ties and, you know, talk a little bit more about Brazil and your wife and your incredible experiences. It's an honor for me. Thank you. Yeah. Next convention that we're all together, come yeah. see me and we'll make that happen. Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. This has been the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I want to thank all of our great guests. I want to thank Bailey Conklin and Brandon Milburn. Definitely want to thank our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.